Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. How you guys doing? Good. Good. Happy Sunday? Uh, sometimes. Uh, I hope your week has been good. If it hasn't, um, then we're in it together, right? Um, I hope you have somebody to share that with, that you don't have to uh, have a bad week alone. Those are the worst. Um, and so if, if you've had a rough week, I'm so glad that you're here, that we can be together. If you've had a great week, use that to like, you know, pour into other people because it'll be your turn next, um, probably, okay? Um, We're in this series on James that we're calling Faith Does, and I don't know if you were here, but way long ago when we started the series, we were over at West for four weeks this summer, and we started the series over there, and I talked about uh, two different kinds of fields. If you remember that, if you were there, we talked about one field that was just left to be, and it was comfortable, and it was uh, never hurt by a plow. It was never torn into. It was never ripped apart. It never experienced any kind of pain. And there was another kind of field that, was, that opened itself up to a plow that said, you can come and do your work in me. And, and that kind of field got ripped open. That kind of field got, had all kinds of pain. But they're very different in the results, right? The comfortable field doesn't produce much. You might, get some, uh, you might get some fruit here and there just naturally, but the field that opens itself up to be plowed, to be ripped open, to experience discomfort, that's the one that yields fruit. That's the one that says, whatever it takes uh, for a harvest, I'm in. I don't want to just live a comfortable life. I, wanna, I, I want to have something that lasts. I want something to be said of my life. And so we took that and we said, what kind of field do we want to be? James is all about, um, James is talking to an audience and he assumes that we want to be the ripped open field. James is talking to an audience who says, I will put put myself in position to be ripped open. I'll put myself in position to be uncomfortable. And um, I'll do that because good stuff is going to happen. Not just because I like to hurt myself not just because I think that's fun or that's a hobby of mine. Say, wow, look at, look at that scar. But because it produces. And God has a way of using discomfort sometimes to produce great growth in us. And that's what, that's what faith does, has been about, to say our faith in God has to be something that does something. We can't just say we follow Jesus. We actually have to follow Jesus. We can't just say I gave my heart to God. We have to let our actions follow. And this isn't some kind of like works righteousness to say, I earn my way to God, and when I do all this stuff, then he'll be pleased with me. Like the song that we just sang, he shows that he's pleased in us, and it changes us from the inside out. But we have to make sure that the process continues from the inside out, right? And that's what, that's what faith does, is all about. So we're going to get into a, a passage today. 
Uh, it's this week, and then we conclude our series in James next week. The passage today is one, like if you fly by it, you're like, whoa, what, what, did, that, uh, what did that just say? And you can get into arguments, I think. Um, and, and I think as we look closer, James is unwilling to let us camp in um, one of two, I would say, simpler, maybe easier places. And I think James forces us uh, to get deeper and have a little bit of like, I don't know exactly what to do with this. Are you guys okay jumping in? Okay, would you stand with me? And we're going to read James 5, and we're going to read 13 through 18. James says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. You can have a seat. Let's pray. Father, help us to dig deep. The book of James has been punching us all the way through and making us uncomfortable. And I pray that today we might get a glimpse of your hope, that we might get a glimpse of uh, the kind of healing that we can have in you and with each other. Father, open our ears to what you want to say. Make us learners. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So uh, some people would take a glance at this and say the most obvious uh, theme in this passage is healing. But I think, um, I think what you see, this passage as a whole, uh, the topic is prayer. What you see over and over and over, actually it comes up in every verse, is prayer. There's prayer uh, as an individual. There's prayer with uh, elders, there's prayer in community, there's prayer of confession, there's prayer of healing. James is talking about a number of different kinds of prayer. And so what we want to do is kind of throw this umbrella of prayer over the whole deal. What is James teaching us? And I think prayer is the answer. James uh, talks about in verse 13. Let's just make some observations and then we'll ask the so what question, Okay. We'll walk through it and let it, let it be our outline. In verse 13, he says, Is anyone among you suffering? He says, let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. And James is kind of talking about two different places in life. So are you suffering or are you cheerful? And James says, in both cases, pray. He says the prayer might look different, right? You might have a different kind of prayer on a good day than on a bad day. But in both cases, what he says is, you should pray. In times of distress, James says the best thing that you can do is pray. And I don't think James is advocating for a kind of prayer that says, God, take me from this stress. God, take me from this discomfort. James opens up his book in the first chapter of the letter, and he says, consider it pure joy when what? When you face trials, when you go through trouble, 
Consider it pure joy. And so he's not saying, pray that God will take your trouble away. He's saying, when you're in trouble, pray. When you're in trouble, face God. Don't face away from him. Don't run from him, but face into him. And then he talks about the other person, the cheerful person. And the word that he uses is not so much, it's, it's not a circumstantially driven happiness, right? So like you get something really shiny and you're happy for a time being. James is using a word that says no matter what's going on, this kind of person has a deep-seated joy. So are you cheerful? Has God uh, reminded you of how good he is or how good he's been to you? Has he given you something today that just makes you overflow in gratitude and in thanks? And he says, sing, sing. Don't just, uh, don't just look the other way. Don't just assume that this is how life should be. Don't, just, don't take it for granted. He says, pray. So if you're going through tough stuff or if God has given you a cheerful heart, James says the same thing, pray. And what you see, I think, in James is he's saying you, you don't pray in just one or the other circumstances. But where, uh, where are you more likely to pray? I think some of us are more likely to pray when things are good and we pray thanks. And then when stuff gets tough, we, look at, we focus on the trouble. Others of us uh, are more apt to pray when we're in trouble and we plead with God and we beg God. And then when stuff is good, we... Uh, kind of forget him. Where, where are you more wired naturally to think about praying? And James says, these two go together. So I want to I show you, um, I want to walk through Psalm 44. I think it's a really cool exercise in having both of these things going on. So sometimes there's suffering and cheer, or suffering and joy in the same heart at the same time. So can we put this up? Psalm 44 is one of the Psalms of Lament. That means it's okay to cry out to God. It's okay to pray to God when you're sorrowful. He's not scared of that. Let's read the whole deal, and we'll see what's going on. Psalm 44 says, O God, we have heard with our ears, our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but them you planted. You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. For not... By their own sword did they win the land, nor by their own arm, uh, nor did their own arm save them. But your right hand and your arm, in the light of your face, you delighted in them. You are my king, O God, ordain salvation for Jacob. Through you we push down our foes. Through your name we tread down those who rise up against us. For, in, for not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me, but you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually and we will give thanks to your name forever. So this is a posture that says, I'm, I'm going to trust in you. But now look where he goes. You have rejected us and have disgraced us and you have not gone out with our enemies. You have made us turn back from the foe and those who hate us have gotten spoiled. You have made us like sheep for slaughter and have scattered us among the nations. You have sold your people for a trifle, demanding no high price for them. You have made us the taunt of our neighbors, the derision and scorn of those around us. You have made us a byword among the nations, a laughingstock among the peoples. All day long my disgrace is before me. 
My shame has covered my face at the sound of the taunter and reviler, at the sight of the enemy and the avenger. All this has come upon us, though we have not forgotten you, and we have not been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. Yet you have broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, you, would, God, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Yet, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake! Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. Rise up. Come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. I think that's deep. I think that's really rich. You have somebody who says, I will stand with you, God, forever, and I will lean into you, and I will trust you, and yet life is hard, and I think you're doing it. I don't know that I've done anything wrong. I think you're doing something here, and I don't like it. And I'm going to tell you, I don't like it, and I think it's your fault, God, while at the same time, I'm clinging to you. I'm holding on to you. And you see the difference is oftentimes we say, yay, God, you're so good to us when times are good. And in times are bad, we say, either this is my fault or God, you don't know what you're doing. And in my anger against God, I run from him. Now, I'd call this Psalm 44 anger against God. I think this person is angry. And yet their anger is an anger that draws them, pulls them closer to him instead of an anger that divides. Do you see the difference? There is a way to be angry and pull close. And I think that's what James is getting at. Are you in trouble? Pray. Are you cheerful? Pray. And it doesn't have to be one or the other. It's one of my... Um, have you guys seen the movie Inside Out? It's okay to admit it if you have. Um, I like it. Uh, I, I think it's a, it was a risk on Pixar, and I think they did a good job with it. But one of, I think, the beautiful things about the movie is that uh, in the end, you see that you don't have to have single emotions. You don't have to have either joy or sorrow and like try and kick sorrow out of the way to say, no, I should be a happy person. True, but sometimes, sometimes joy and sorrow hold hands, and Everything gets richer because of it. And I think James is giving us that kind of picture. No matter where you are, James says, pray. And then he says in verses 14 to 16, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and he's committed sins. He will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man has great power as it's working. So he's talking about dire circumstances. If you're sick, and he's, this is not like, I got a cold, can you come pray for me? This is like, I'm sick, and I'm, I'm on my deathbed. Like, this is not 
looking good. This is a, this is a crisis. And he says, in that time, call the church to you. You may not be able to go to be with the church. Call them to you. The church should surround you. Church leadership should surround you. This is not meant to be a solo thing. If you're going through trouble, pray. If you're going through a cheerful time, pray. And if you're in dire straits, like you, you need people around you to pray over you. And I, um, I'm, one that, I'm one that firmly believes that God is powerful. And God is the highest source of power. And I, when oil shows up here, I don't think this is magic oil. Okay? I don't think there's any kind of special oil that you can buy or that you can bless that you could give to somebody and say, if you just rub this on a person, this is going to make them well. Okay? So when he talks about the elders coming and pray, praying over a person, I think God is rich in symbolism. And he's not promising healing. He's not saying this is going to happen 100% of the time because... We've seen that it doesn't happen 100% of the time. And James has not said, uh, throughout the course of the book, he has said, your troubles bring joy. Not escaping your troubles, not just healing physically, but your troubles can bring joy. And if we look at this in the context of James, I think what he's saying is, this is a beautiful picture of uh, what a lot of people think is, this oil represents while God, may not, while God may not always do a physical healing, this oil represents that God always cares. He is always with you. He will never leave you, and it covers you. God's love covers you. Sometimes, sometimes God power, God's power shows up, and there is a physical healing. And James, I don't think, lets us dismiss that. I don't think James, if we take him seriously, will let us just go the route of um, it's only ever symbolic and God loves you and we'll pray for God's will and then we'll see what happens, okay? I, I don't think that's taking James seriously. I also don't think it's taking James seriously in context if we say we'll do this and the person will experience a physical healing. I think James is kind of presenting this. You posture before God in your trust and as you wrap around each other, you believe in his always love and you pray diligently that he would do a healing and if he does because you know he can you know he can if he does you give him great thanks and you sing a song and if he doesn't you still posture yourself in trust and belief in who he is God can heal we should ask for it wholeheartedly and then James goes into this, confess to one another. And he's not just talking about with the elders anymore. Now he's talking about like uh, the church at large. And he's saying there are times when sin causes illness. There's times when sin causes trouble. And he says in those times, don't just pray for healing. Maybe it's time where you need to talk about stuff. Maybe it's time where you need to start exercising demons within you just by calling them out, just by saying, hey, this is going on. I know this is wrong in me. I know I've been doing this. I know that I've been thinking this. I know, I know I'm stuck here, and I'm holding it tightly because I'm so scared of what will happen if I let it go. And James says, confess. We think confession is a dirty word, don't we, often? Like, I don't want to do that. I'm, I'm just, I'll be okay. 
I'll be okay just by myself. And James, I think, is getting to the idea that confession is a gift. If you want healing, you got to share this stuff. you got to get it out. You have to talk to people. And the church is meant to come around people and be with you and not say, man, you're ugly. Man, I can't believe you shared that. I'd rather you didn't. I feel gross now. I'm going to go take a shower. Okay? The church should be a place where people can say, hey, I got this going on. They're like, man, that's bad. Let's deal with this together. Okay? And there's a huge difference. It, it doesn't look away and say, nah, it's not that good. God loves you. You know? But it also doesn't say, you're gross. You, oh, you're disgusting. It says, we need to talk about stuff. And I will not, I will not turn away from you. I will not, I'll not kick you out of my presence. This stuff is ugly. Let's deal with it together. Because I don't think you'll ever be able to deal with it by yourself. You ever carried a weight around because you had this inside battle going on that you didn't want to let go? And have you ever told somebody about it? And, and even though you feared what they would do, and now some of you may have told people something and they reacted in a way that shamed you, but have you ever had a time when you, you so feared letting it go, but then you did let it go and the person covered you with grace? The person gave grace and this unexpected weight is lifted off your shoulders. Like that's, that's the gift of confession. And then he goes on, and he brings up an example in 17 through 18. Elijah, he says, was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Okay, quiz time. James has talked about, this is his fourth uh, Old Testament character. Okay, he's talking, uh, he's talking right now about Elijah. Who are the previous three? Shout them out. Who, Job? Good. James preached on Job last week and two weeks ago at West. Okay? Job is one. Who's another one? There's two more. They're earlier examples of faith. Say who? Moses is a good guess, but it's wrong. Sorry. Shame. <laughs> I'll never let go. You're okay. <laughs> good. Two others. Abraham. Abraham's one. And then an unlikely candidate, Rahab. Now, we said Rehab here. Um, <laughs> we spelled her name wrong, okay? It, it fits. It's kind of funny. Um, so Abraham, Rahab, Job are the, are the previous characters that James has talked about as being examples in the faith. And those are really cool case studies just in themselves. Uh, James James was an example of patience and endurance and this posture that says, no matter what happens, I'm going to face into God. I'll never curse God. I'll never run from him. I'll never be so angry that I say, forget you. Whatever happens, I lean into God. And I can be angry with him, but I'm going to lean in. Abraham and Rahab are examples of faith does. They're examples of people who believed in God and then did something about it. And now he brings up Elijah. And what I love about this, he says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. You know what that means? We can do what he did. Right? There's nothing special about Elijah. This guy was just like us. Maybe not just like us. 
dressed a little bit different, okay? But he's a, a nature like ours. You can be like Elijah, is James' point. And so he's referencing this really awesome, one of the highlights of the Old Testament in 1 Kings 17 and 18, when we have wicked King Ahab, who's got all of these prophets around him who are worshiping uh, false gods. And it's, in, it's such a messed up deal that God works through Elijah and say, Elijah, you pray for the rain to stop. I need to get through to these people. So for the next three plus years, no rain is coming. We're going to have a drought. And this is sin causes pain and sin causes consequence. And this is God not being afraid to use tough stuff to get people's attention. He says, Elijah, pray. And for three years, there's a drought. And then at the the climax of this, uh, all of these prophets get together and they have this showdown, Elijah versus the 400 prophets on the top of Mount Carmel. And they build two altars and they uh, build it up. And Elijah's like, hey, let's see who wins, okay? Your God, or whoever that is, or the true God. Let's have a, let's have a showdown. Do your thing with your altar. Pray to your God and let your God uh, consume the altar with fire. And let's see what happens. And they start doing their thing and uh, they start praying louder and they start chanting and they start doing everything. It's like, hey, maybe your God's on the toilet. He actually says that, okay? And he's taunting them. And they start cutting themselves to show how passionate and how fervently they're, if there's ever a case study in, I don't care how passionate you are about something, if it's not true, it's not going to work, okay? So they're passionate and they're going at it, but their God is false and nothing happens. And then Elijah says, okay, my turn. He says, here's my altar. Only before I pray, could you uh, pour water over it? Dig a trench around it and just dump it full of water because I'm going to show you what my God can do. And they do it, and they soak the altar, and then he says, hey, God, can you send rain? And three years, James says three and a half years of no rain, Elijah says the word, and rain pours. And James says, Elijah's just like you. Sometimes I don't think we think much of our prayer lives. Sometimes I don't think that God gave us the same spirit. Sometimes I think Jesus did miracles not out of his own power, but as he trusted God's spirit. We're told to follow Jesus, right? I can't follow the divine Jesus. I can't follow, I can't like be God, but I could follow the human part of Jesus. That he was 100% God and 100% human. I don't, I don't know how that works. I say that's what the Bible says and I'll go with it. But when, when he does stuff trusting in the Spirit, I can follow that. Elijah, just like us, prays a wicked, astounding, incredible prayer. And just like that, God answers it. There's power in prayer. Not because we say the right words, or not because we're powerful, but because God is powerful and he's put his Spirit in us. And when God's spirit in me aligns with the will of the Father. We can pray great things, incredible things, and stuff happens. So he brings up this Old Testament example. So, what? We just kind of walked through, we made some observations. 
Um, four different things. Four different things, and we'll just kind of go back, and we'll repeat it, and we'll try and dig in a little bit. Uh, the first is um, prayer. We pray when life is hard, and we pray when life is full of joy, and we pray everywhere in between. Our culture is foreign to the idea of discomfort. We don't like it. We even have comfort food, right? Like, oh, I have a, had a bad day. I'm going to open up, and I know exactly what I'm reaching for. Do you guys have those? How many of you guys, okay, show of hands. How many of you would rather have sweet? You, like chocolate calls your name or something? Uh, Sour Patch Kids? Okay, how about salty? How many of you is like a big bowl of chili? Just like, just pound it in. That's my comfort, okay? We have comfort food, and it's great, but we shouldn't like say, that's, that's where my real comfort is. Sometimes I just need to cash out on, a, on, on the couch with it, but... James gets to a deeper thing, and he says, comfort is not what this life is about. This is a temporary comfort. If you recognize that, okay, but don't reach for a comfort that fades. So here's an example. You have to have surgery. There's something going on inside of you that you need surgery. And it's one where, like, local anesthesia will work. So you lie down on the table, and uh, the surgeon comes over, and he says, look, I don't want you to experience any discomfort with this, so I'm going to give you the scalpel, and you can do it. Okay? I want you to be in control of this. You can, you can make this incision. You can make the cut. Okay? Um, how many of you even make it to holding the scalpel? You're like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good. I think I'm going to go home, and I'll live with this inside me, okay? Or die or whatever, okay? So some of you guys would grab it, and you're like, that was enough, right? That's good. Am I good? No, i got to go deeper. Okay. No, I can't. Can't do it. Can't do it. Okay? When you need surgery, you want the full incision, right? It's scary. But there are times, there are times when to experience healing, you've got to get cut open. And God is like that. God is like that. Sometimes he hurts us so that he can heal us. This isn't some kind of weird torture deal. This is if you're sick inside, sometimes getting it out requires intensity. And God gives us discomfort as a gift. Prayer helps us keep us grounded to say God is good. God is for me. God is not always for my comfort, but he is for me. And if I can remind myself to be praying when stuff is good and when stuff is hard, that helps me be reminded that God is good, that I face into him rather than running away. That's the first, pray wherever you are. The second is this prayer for the sick. I think we don't have to get weirded out on this one. Can we all agree God has the ability to heal? Physically, spiritually, emotionally, in all ways, God is the ultimate healer, right? And we can all agree he doesn't always do it, right? There's this tension going on. And I think James won't let us settle in either camp exclusively. Nah, that's weird. That stuff doesn't happen, okay? Or it will happen or the problem's us, right? There's, James has something 
different going on. But God has the ability to heal. Two years ago, almost exactly at this time, Leslie's dad was not feeling well. Not feeling well at all. Um, and he called his doctors and they said, man, the symptoms you're describing sound like you need to have gallbladder surgery. So they scheduled it for a Monday. Friday came and he, I don't think I can wait till Monday. This is not right. And he's, he's a farm dude. Like he's a tough Midwestern Ohio guy. Like um, I'm not just going to go to the uh, doctor for a sniffle. Like something's going on him in him when he says, I got to go to the doctor. And so he went, and they hooked him up, and they said, it's good you came. I'm not guaranteeing that you would have made it to Monday. Your kidneys have stopped working. They're actually at 1% function is what they figured out. His blood was toxic, and he was not well at all. Through tests, they also figured out the reason this is happening is because you have cancer. And your cancer is creating these funky proteins, and they're clogging up your kidneys, and they're shutting them down. So we've got two battles to face into. Or you've got to get right now on dialysis. And dialysis is awesome, but ugly. So three times a week, he would drive an hour to a three- or four-hour process, and then drive home, sometimes stopping on the side of the road because he was so ill that he couldn't keep it inside. Okay, And then for the rest of the day, he's just ill. Just bad, bad deal. That's three days a week. Every week, he's going. And they started uh, treating the cancer. And so we're going to be most effective treating the cancer and uh, getting into this as, as the kidneys, as your blood starts getting healthier. And we're going to go for it. And his kidneys started to come back. And it got to a certain point where the doctors had said, look, at, your kidneys are so good that at 15% function, you don't need dialysis. 15%. God made kidneys awesome, right? 15%. So between 15 and 20%, we're going we're gonna to take you off dialysis. What they're not saying is that doesn't happen. You don't go from 1% kidney function to coming back. And they did tests, and they found him, that the kidneys were coming back. And, uh, and he's well today. Uh, he's in remission, and he's, um, he's living a healthy life. He's actually coming. You guys get to meet him. Uh, he's coming for Thanksgiving. Leslie's uh, mom and dad and grandma, which I'm so excited about for you guys get to meet them. They have a rich heritage of faith. So his doctor called, like, um, consultants and people around the country said, hey, you ever heard of this? Where kidneys have gone from 1% functioning to healthy again? He's at 50% now. They're like, no, that doesn't happen. Your tests are wrong. No, I'm looking at the guy. We run tests. Like, this is, this is what it's at. No, it doesn't happen. Your tests are wrong. I'm telling you, the guy's right here, and he's healthy. Well, someone upstairs is watching out for him. Leslie's dad has hundreds of people around the country and churches who are praying for him. 
And I have to believe. I have to believe that God used prayer to heal him. I'm not going to say that somebody said just the right words or had a magic spell or anything like that. But James says, if someone is not well, you pray over them and you believe in the God who can do it. Sometimes it happens. And, and you thank God for it. We don't have to get all weirded out. If we want to get weirded out, we're way past it when we're thinking about a God who created everything. We're thinking about a God who would get off his throne in heaven and come down here to love us so much to the point of death that he would die for us. We're way past weird. We're out on the lunatic fringe, okay? If we can't go the step of saying God can do supernatural things, God can heal whenever he wants, however he wants, that doesn't line up. Like, we're already crazy. We should, we should believe this, too. Does it happen all the time? No, it doesn't happen all the time. And that doesn't mean, that, that doesn't always mean I don't have enough faith or I'm not trusting God or you're doing something wrong. Sometimes it could mean that, but it doesn't always mean that. But James says, pray. And pray for big things. Pray for big big things. And then he says, he talks about this confession and community. And he's getting at this, you don't do this alone. Confession is an opportunity to be vulnerable with one another. Confession is an opportunity to to show your dark side and have people hold you in spite of it. And you recognize, I don't just have friends because I'm good. I have friends because of who they are. God doesn't just love me because I'm good. God loves me because of who he is. He extends grace to me, and that's what community does. If you want something that will cut down your arrogance, practice confession. And not just making stuff up, but practice confession. I want my kids to know that when I make a mistake, I'll say, I'm sorry, that I'll recognize it. Now, confession... I hate that because sometimes, sometimes their behavior drives me crazy and I flip a little bit. And it takes me a lot to be able to say I was wrong without adding a but, right? You ever say I was wrong, but you did this, okay? You know that? And I think it's better just to end it with a period. I was wrong. You do with your own stuff. That's your, that's your deal. More, we might talk about it later, but right now for the point of confession, like, I was wrong. You know the beautiful thing? Is when, you, when I can humble myself to apologize to my kids, they're so good at forgiving me. And I'll ask for their forgiveness, and we hug. And then, they're like, then they act as if nothing happened. Hey, was I, was I grouchy with you? Yeah. Are we okay? Yeah. Like, that's good. Confession doesn't have to be like pulling teeth, Okay? Confession can be a gift. It says, look, our relationship has split. There's trouble. Confession faces me toward you. And forgiveness meets me there. And it's a beautiful thing. And James says, if you've got stuff blocking you from God, 
you need to do some confession. If you've got stuff blocking you from people, you need, to, you need to confess to them that this is what's going on in me, and I hate it. I'm sorry, and I want, I want to make it right where I can. Confession is a gift. And then he talks about the prayer of the righteous. Uh, the, prayer of a, the prayer of the righteous accomplishes a whole lot, and he gives Elijah as the example And I think some of what he's getting at is sin does have the power to block us from God, to close our ears to God. It hinders our ability to pray. And it makes sense, I think, because it puts something as an idol instead of God. We start to worship a thing and hold tightly to a thing rather than trusting in God. And James says, you got to confess that and move on from that. you you got to get rid of that idol. So we put all kinds of things up on an altar and we make them idols. Things, hurts, hang-ups, habits, relationships, all kinds of things that we'll say, I'm, I'm going to focus on this thing instead of focusing on God. He says, be done with that. Confess that. And then move on. And the beautiful thing is because of Jesus, we don't do this on our own. It's not like we just wake up one day and say, I'm going to fix my life because we're kind of powerless. We're stuck in sin. Jesus actually gives us the ability to move on from our sin. Jesus actually gives us the ability to be healed. That when we start to pray in agreement with him, stuff happens. God doesn't... The coolest picture that I've seen with sin is that as we're walking with Jesus, as we have a relationship with Jesus, we often think, I have me, and I have this pile of sin, and then Jesus is over there. And if I want to get closer to Jesus, i got to get rid of this pile, right? The truth is, I think, as I have a relationship with Christ, He walks around the pile and stands right here next to me, and then we both stare at the pile, and He said, Man, that's ugly. Let's do something about it. Huge difference, right? Neither one says, that's not ugly. Neither one says, that's not a big deal. It's just one, I'm efforting all by myself to get close to Jesus. And I say, Jesus, when is it going to be enough that you will look on me and smile? And he says, hey, like I'm right here already. Can we do this together? Well, quit fighting this fight alone. I want to help you. He puts his spirit in us. He won't go away from us. And he says, now let's deal with some stuff. Let's go. Jesus made that possible. James says, pray in the hard times. James says, pray in the good times. James says, pray for healing. He says, pray for others. He says, pray with others. So let's wrap up and just ask the question, what will you do this week? It says faith does something. It's good to hear this. If God has poked at you a little bit this morning and says, hey, this is for you. This little bit is for you. What will you do this week to believe it into action, to believe it into your life? Are you in the middle of a hard time? Will you pray a prayer of trust? Are you in the middle of a happy time? Will you, will you sing a song of praise 
Will you pray with someone? Who might you pray with? It might be awkward to even bring it up. And don't use it as a dating, um, like, hey, they'll really be impressed with me. Uh, Sorry, I went to a Christian college and that happened, okay? (laughs) Sometimes it's awkward. But there, there might be somebody in your life who you would say, like, can we pray together? Or can I just pray for you in your presence? And I find that powerful. Maybe you, this week, have some confession to do. And you find some people. And you say, hey, uh, can, I, can I share some stuff that I'm not proud of? Maybe you need to deal with some sin so that you can be attentive to God, what God is doing. Maybe you want to bring the church around and say, hey, guys, can you come and pray? I just, I need somebody. Faith does. And the difference between the two fields, when we get cut open, uh, we end up yielding fruit. And the fruit that James is getting at is connection and relationship and healing and restoration and vulnerability and yet safety. Help is right there. And we're going to move into a time of communion. And I I want it to be a time where we can um, practice confession and thanks at the same time. And so this cup, this cup and the bread, the bread is this symbol of what Jesus did because of your sin. He took your sin and he, he put it on his shoulders on the cross. And I don't want you to beat yourself up or be all... Um, weird about it but the reality is like he took your sin and put it on the cross as a gift and in that cracker you can use that as a symbol of confession to him I need to talk to you about some sin I know you already paid for it I know you already died for it on the cross but I want to identify it because it makes me sick like literally this is an illness inside of me and you confess it to him right here, right now. And you take the cup, and you recognize, this is God's life poured into me. This is Jesus poured into me. That I, He doesn't just forgive my sins and then, like, shoo me away. He forgives me, and he pours life into me. And you can take that, you can take that as a, uh, God, I want, I want to live more in the healing that you provide that my soul would be healed, that my spirit would be healed, that, that I as a person, my, my physicality would be healed. I want to trust in you and I want to lean into you and I'm so grateful for the life that you give and pour into me and the healing that you pour in. You can talk about confession and healing and communion. I'm going to invite uh, the worship team to come up and we'll pray and then we'll, um, we'll have commun- communion together. Father, I'm so grateful that you are a God who doesn't leave us on our own. That you see us as we are. That you don't hide from us. I'm so grateful that you are a God who wants us to pray. Who wants us to lean into you. In good times and in hard times and when we're sick and when we've messed up together and by ourselves. That you want us to pray. And that healing is in your hand. I pray today that we would know you more truly. 
that we would give ourselves to you more fully. Bring your kind of healing. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.